Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fully Books, the Hidden Gems author podcast in which Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, get to chat some of the exciting figures and leading lights of this crazy industry of writing and self-publishing that we are in. And today we are very excited to have with us a gothic suspense and supernatural thriller author, London Clark, who is here to talk about the uh, the, the perils and pitfalls and, and uh, possibilities and opportunities I guess of multi-genre writing it is delightful to have you here London how are you doing today I'm doing well Roland thank you so much for having me on I really appreciate it oh well we are delighted to chat to you and of course we wouldn't be here uh, without the man himself Craig Touch owner and founder of Hidden Gems and an author himself how are you doing today Craig doing great Roland thanks um and thanks again for joining us London I know that uh you have been a user of our services, mainly of our, of our beta reading service. We've used that a, a number of times. And um, part of that has helped you with, uh, you know, figuring out the idea of writing multi-genre work, which is sometimes a challenge for, for a number of reasons, one of which being, you know, you know meeting the expectations of your readers. Uh, the other is being, you know, marketing. You know, there's all sorts of problems or opportunities uh, that come with writing something that doesn't fit so neatly into uh, one box, right? One, one genre, which is typically what authors tend to do because it's, it's a lot easier, right? Then you're like, okay, I'm going to write romance and I know who my, my people are that I'm marketing this towards. And, you know, it's, it's very straightforward, but you've taken a a more challenging path. So why don't we talk about that a bit? Okay. Yes, I, I often say I wish I could just write a you know a simple, a little more simpler, uh, streamlined story. But they always tend to to go off in different directions. Um, and yeah, and I didn't set out to to start writing in you know multi genre uh, to write multi genre fiction. It just has kind of ended up that way. But uh, I started out wanting to write gothic suspense, and um, as I was writing, I found that. It actually would go, uh, you know, kind of more into the horror realm. And then I would try to pull it back and make it a little bit more, you know, supernatural thriller. And then depending on which book I was writing, there might be some historical fiction in there. Uh, I, I love to put romance in my books. There's always a thread of mystery. So they kind of evolved into these multi-genre pieces. Um, and yeah, and it makes things complicated sometimes, but it's also been a really exciting road. And, and it's what I love to write. I, I really love writing um, all in all these different uh, threads. So um, that's that's kind of how it's come to be. But uh, the beta readers have been wonderful. I just want to say that your all's beta readers are just fabulous and they have helped me so much. So just um, just to let you know that. Well, yeah, that's great to hear. I'm glad that they help because I think that's going to be one of the big challenges is is finding those people that um, that want to. I mean, lots of people read uh, different genres, um, but often they they are looking for books that are like firmly in that one genre. Like now, I want to read a thriller. Now, I want to read a romance. So it must be more challenging to find those people that want to read sort of a mixture of those different things. Yes. And, you know, full disclosure, a lot of times people may, be go- may go into um, a, one of my books thinking they're going to get straight horror. Um, and that 
you know, it's not usually what they find. Um, there's usually, you know, maybe the, the main uh, substance may be horror, but then there's also a, a lot of um, other threads. Like I always, I love to put, um, you know, the human complexities into my books. Uh, I like it when um, there, I have flawed characters. I love to write about flawed characters and that, you know, they do things that any of the rest of us might do. Um, I like to, you know, add in the love story element, um, and, you know, that, and because I think that the supernatural elements often have a ripple effect on the, uh, natural elements, there's often some criminal activity going, very, very human criminal activity going on in the books. So, uh, yeah, you know, sometimes readers will go in and, and they're surprised and they tell me they're surprised. They thought, oh, I thought this was just going to be straight horror. And then I, I was actually pleasantly surprised to find that this was so much more than that. Um, and so in the beginning, that was kind of how I realized that I was writing in multi-genre because I had readers tell me um, that I was expecting this and I got you know, a lot more than what I expected. And, and generally, I, it's been a very positive reaction um, and not a negative reaction. I will say that, you know, something that the beta readers have helped me with is that, there, I mean, there are sometimes it can get too busy. And, you know, knowing what parts are not working in a story, like there's just too much going on. Okay, well, I need to figure out then what what parts are are not working, what parts are too busy, and I'm going to pull those parts out and focus on the ones that are working. And so sometimes that means, you know, you narrow it down to about three threads rather than five. Um, so, and, you know, and I can usually recognize that it's, it's getting too busy um, even before they tell me, but it's, it's good to have that confirmation from a reader to say, you know, mm, I think you might want to rein it in a little bit. So that's, that's kind of how I've learned to, you know, make that, those call, those judgment calls. Right. I imagine, you know, even though you're writing multi-genre, you probably have in your mind the main genre, right? So it's like I'm writing a, a thriller that has horror aspects, not a horror that has thriller aspects kind of thing. Right. And, and there's certain tropes that you know you're going to have to hit. You know, I mean, there's there especially in uh, in, you know, horror, you know, you're going to have to hit certain, you know, fear buttons that people are looking for they're looking for the the jump scare they're looking for the thing behind the door under the bed uh you know the thing that's going to give them cold chills and and that sort of thing so you know you've got to make sure you hit those tropes um and i think the thriller is really just a natural extension in a lot of ways because it's uh you know you can incorporate the supernatural uh, into the thrillers and you it's you know the suspense there should be that suspense there anyway um if you're if you're writing a horror so that can you know that kind of naturally comes into play and i sort of look at um you know one big big name writer that comes to mind is grady hendrix who has written uh, a bunch of books that kind of ride the line between the suspense thriller and horror um and you know he does it extremely well with hitting all the tropes, but also having, you know, some, some wild elements in there that you don't expect. Yeah. And I, I imagine, I mean, that brings up a good point. Like there are probably certain genres that are easier to mix. So like thrillers and horrors for sure. Whereas horror and romance, that might be a harder sell, right? 
Yeah, it is. It can't be, you know, I, I don't, it's, it can't be romance heavy, obviously, but I do like to have that, that thread in there. That's just kind of, you know, my, my thing. I, I look for that in books, but I've tried to write romance novels and they always go dark. So I, I just gave up on that and said, I, I better just add the thread in and, and <laughs> leave that to people who can actually write romance. Um, but yeah, I think about like some of the big, the big, you know, hit books, like, the Time Traveler's Wife or, um, you know, Outlander, Diana Gabaldon's Outlander that incorporate, you know, these these threads. And they tend to, to have threads that that meld together well, you know, like historical fiction and romance. Those go together really well, um, you know, or uh, Time Traveler's Wife has the romance and they have fantasy and time travel and uh, contemporary magical realism and that kind of thing. And those all seem to meld together well. So I think it's finding the right genres that that go together. You know, like you said, horror and romance don't really go together naturally. But, you know, you can at least you can add a thread in here and there. Um, and that is still, you know, interesting to the reader. And it can also help with moving the story along. So there can be reasons why, you know, hey, this person is um, in this relationship with this with this person who turns out to be very dangerous so it might look like a romance, but actually, you know, he's he's a he's a demon in disguise kind of thing. So and I have done that in in some of the books successfully where, you know, you think you're reading about a really nice you know relationship that's going on. And then, no, it's not. So and then at the end, it takes that dark turn. So those kind of things can work really well. And I think it's just having um, having an eye for the 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 genres that will blend together and I'm, I'm not going to throw time travel most likely into any of mine. That's just, I, I just can't see that working, but you know, who knows somebody might do that at some point and then prove me wrong. But uh, you know, I, I think that it's just finding the right ones to mix together in the blender. Right. Yeah. I think, um, you know, a lot of it too is making sure that you, are meeting the reader expectations, which means setting the reader expectations at some point. So how are you doing that? Like, how are you, you know, when you sell a book on Amazon, you've got to pick your categories. You've got to sort of, you know, do different things that tell people what kind of a book it is. Um, And a lot of those things, you know, are specifically defined, whereas you could do different things in your blurb, let's say that would make it more clear that it's sort of this mix of genres so that, you know, you're not going to end up with somebody who wants to read a straight, you know, horror and they don't want to see this whatever else element in it. Um, You know, so how are you? Yeah. Well, I mean, if romance, I mean, like we said, that might be a harder thing to put in there, but you know, is there a way that you typically sort of try to, to meet those expectations or set those expectations? Yeah, I think I think the blurb is part of that, you know, making sure that um, the blurb hits the main points and, uh, you know, that it's not it's not setting up any false expectations. Generally, my blurbs are are dealing with the the scary parts of the story, um, because really, that's the main part of my my books are usually the, the scary parts. Um, but I also depend on my cover. So I, I have a great cover artist and I really depend on making sure the cover um, has the elements I'm looking for and the tone that I'm looking for, because some of my books are scarier than others. So, 
you know, some of the books may be dealing with just, you know, haunted houses. So the haunted, the haunted house, the house is, is the main part of the cover. Whereas other parts may be dealing more with, you know, the psychological aspects of, um, of, of the story. And so I might have somebody on there with, you know, that, that house is actually part of their head and, you know, just to, to kind of show that there's, uh, the psychological aspect is going to be there. So I try to do, you know, really show the tone with the with the cover and then make sure the blurb gives a pretty good indication that like my most recent one there, I definitely make it make it plain that there's going to be a some sort of a, a romantic relationship that is going on here. And that is going to be part of what moves the story along um, and that both of these people are going to be plagued by the thing that is, you know, causing all of these issues. So I try to make that really clear in the blurb and in the, within the cover as well that, you know, this this is going to be really dark and scary, or this may be more of a, you know, thriller, a little bit on the lighter horror light or supernatural light side of things. But I think you're absolutely right that, you know, reader expectations, because you don't, I mean, even though you might surprise them, you don't want to disappoint them so that they go in and go, oh, I thought, I thought this was going to be scary and it's not, you know, <laughs> so that's like, I, that's my biggest fear is somebody thinking it's going to be scary and then go, eh, that really wasn't that scary. So um, that's, I kind of put, I put my, I try to keep the main uh, focus on the main things in the story make sure that I hit everything that, that is being going to be expected. And then I can incorporate the other parts into a smaller, you know, aspect of the story. Your cover's terrific. Oh, I really like, it. and they're, and they're congruent throughout. So they do establish as a brand. I mean, it's it seems. I know when Craig and I do uh, consults with authors, sometimes the for me, sometimes the words I I hate to hear are like, well, it kind of spans genres. But I can see what you mean. You've got the genre spanning, except you are kind of like dialing it in, and it looks your book covers look congruent among the others on, on the shelves of uh, Amazon. Yes. And that's been actually oh, when I first started doing this, told my uh, book cover designer that I wanted I wanted them to look like other books in that genre. I didn't want to be, you know, oh, let's go out of the box and, you know, do something crazy because it it really needs to appeal. And, and readers a lot of times will pick books based on covers and it needs to look like what they're looking for. I do that. I know I, when I'm looking for a book, I, I look for the covers. I'm like, Oh, what is, what looks interesting to me? And if it's not, uh, you know, if it's, if it's not a good cover, then it's definitely not going to attract the right audience, no matter what your genre is. Um, so yeah, I try, I've tried to keep them, con- you know, congruent. I've tried to keep the, um, brand there um so that the same you know same lettering is used for my name and all of them and that kind of thing to keep keep it uh you know across the board you know yeah and i think that that sort of underlines the point that it's it is most of these books are probably fit within one genre but they are they include aspects of other genres and so when you're trying to decide on a cover design and that you want to meet expectations like that you want the the readers to be scared let's say that means you're selling a horror right if you're selling it as a thriller that has horror elements it's probably not as important that they feel scared because Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily what they're coming for if they're a thriller reader 
they're just, you know, but so you still, you want to meet the expectations of thriller readers and then have some horror aspects or whatever. Um, so I guess that helps define covers and, you know, the overall tones and make sure that you, that you are sort of meeting the read expectations. I mean, it would be not impossible, but it would be harder to make sure that you're, you know, you're hitting all the right notes and meeting all the expectations that readers in multiple genres will have for every book. Right. So I think that would be a more difficult choice. Not that you can't do that or you don't do that, but you know, cause a thriller, I mean, like you said, thrillers and horrors, they're often hand in hand, but when you, when you start to get more disparate with your genres, if you're going to meet, as we were saying, like a, so let's say thriller and, and romance, a lot of people do that. They do a suspenseful uh, romance, whatever. Right. But you want to make sure that, there's enough romance for the romance readers. There's enough thrilling aspects for the thriller readers. And, you know, if you fall short on one or the other, you're going to hear about it. That's Yeah, very true. And, you know, sometimes you get thriller readers that do not want horror. I mean, they, they are like, no, I don't want to read about, you know, ghosts and vampires and things that go bump in the night. I just, you know, want the, the chase scenes and I want, you know, the kind of what's going to happen next type, feeling. And I love those books too. I read, I read probably predominantly, I read thrillers. Um, but, uh, and, and horror is a little more specialized anyway. I mean, it, it is a genre that, that is, um, it, it draws very specific readers. And I'm, I'm frankly always surprised when I come across people that are like, oh, you write horror. Oh, I love scary books. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. Cause I just, I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up with that. I didn't know a lot of people that liked scary books. I was kind of the weird person that, you know, loved to be scared and loved to go to these, you know, haunted houses at Halloween and, you know, have things jump out at me and people thought I was so strange, but I was like, I don't know. I think it's kind of like a, a the roller coaster ride, you know, where you, you hit that, that top of the roller coaster and you're getting ready to go down and just this is the suspense of, Oh my gosh, what is going to be behind that door or under that bed has always been such a draw for me. But for, you know, people who like to read mysteries and thrillers, you know, that's, that is not what they're looking for. So I've, I've really had to make sure that, you know, they know if they look at the back that, there's something in the blurb that mentions that there's going to be a supernatural element or there's something, you know, maybe she she's wondering what else lives in the house with her, you know, and, and just things that um, that will point to this is not going to be uh, this is probably if you're looking for a, a, a book where you think it's just going to be all you know, turn, turn out to be natural, you know, a natural event in the end, this is not the book because <laughs> there are going to be some horror, you know, horror aspects in here. So. Right. Yeah. So I guess you follow, I mean, it's the same sort of principle then when it comes to marketing, you're probably focusing on, you know, what the focus of the, like the, the main genre, if there is one of the book, like you're going to, if it's a, thriller with horror aspects you're probably targeting targeting your marketing more at the thriller reader than the horror reader that kind of thing yeah um well i use you know i, I use for marketing i use ads with amazon facebook and and bookbub and those have, have for me worked really well um when I'm, I'm advertising books you know they all have a little different targeting system um and so I think BookBub has been 
very effective for me because I can, you know, I can target it to certain writers um, and people that read certain writers. And, you know, I, I will target a fairly broad uh, writer. You know, I know some people will just target like three writers, but I sometimes will target up to 18 writers and then I'll, you know, go back and check it. And if it's not doing well, then I'll pull that one out and, you know, pull that writer out. And, um, but I might target, you know, um, for, for the horror books, I might target, you know, Darcy Coates, she's really straight horror. And then I might also target, you know, somebody like DM Pulley who does mystery and, um, just, you know, other, other writers who are, who are more, um, thriller oriented. And then, um, I just kind of check the results to see what happens and it's worked really well for me. It has been a system of kind of trial and error to see what is going to work. Cause I really didn't know. And especially for some of the books where I actually used, um, some imagery of like a couple in silhouette, you know, that was, you know, kissing kind of in the shadows. Um, and that, that was actually for one of my more horrifying books <laughs> I've been told, but it was some of my best performing ads. Um, so I think that because it's a, it's an element in the story that sort of leads the reader into the, the place that she ends up, the bad place that she ends up, that has worked. That particular you know image worked for that. Um, and then I, sometimes I'll use a, just a more simple image that's doesn't, you know, just has the book cover and maybe just kind of a, a dark background. And I'll use a review um, from that galley or from uh, a reviewer on Amazon or something, you know, and just kind of keep it more simple, simple. But BookBub has been very effective for me. Um, Amazon has been very effective advertising. And I actually have started playing around with just the automatic targeting that they have. Uh, I know a lot of people say don't do that, but for me, it's, it's worked out pretty well because I'm kind of like, I don't really know, you know how to. I think a lot of authors now used to be garbage and now it's almost uh, outperforming a lot of the times when you put in the, the individual ASINs and stuff like that. The, their algorithm is ramping up. That's really good to know. Okay, well, that's good to know because I thought, well, it seems to be working for me. So I, I don't know, um, but yeah, because I had tried the do it do it yourself manual. Try to you know put the the negatives and the positives and all of that into Amazon, and it really was so complicated. And it didn't it just didn't work for me, and I, I didn't advertise with them for a while because of that. But when I started putting the automatic targeting in, it just the algorithm kicked in and it seemed to really boost sales. So. Um, that's been very effective for me. And, um, and then Facebook has been very, uh, very effective too. And I've just had long running ads with Facebook where I just, um, you know, put, put it in, kind of forget about it, let it run. And I, I have a lot of people that come through, uh, that just the freebie and the giveaways for the Facebook ads, they sign up for the newsletter. Can I stop you for a second? Just because there are some people who do Facebook ads that direct straight to a book page. And there are other people who do Facebook ads that direct to a sign up page and kind of loop people into the subscriber list. Sounds like that's what you're doing. I do. Um, one of my ads does the, the subscriber news to the newsletter page. So they get a free book. Um, you can, you know, get uh, just sign up for the newsletter. You can get the free novelette. That's the prequel to, to a, a trilogy that I have. 
Um, so one of them does that. The other ones do go to my webpage um, and, you know, people can sign up if they want to. And, and, uh, but otherwise, yeah, they can, they can just go there. Um, and then sometimes I run, like if I run a special, I'll have an ad that goes, you know, to the Amazon page so they can, they can find the, the sale there, the, the book that's on sale there. So um, I've done it lots of different ways. They've all been effective for me on different levels. But I, you know, I found that I've, I've kind of marketed to a relatively broad audience. The one thing I like about Facebook is that I can market not only to writers, but I can also put things in like, you know, uh, people who have, who like the vampire diaries or, um, you know, true blood or shows that would have, you know, vampire elements in them. Um, so it's not just books. You can, I can also kind of market to people who like, you know, these particular shows too, and people who read, you know, eBooks and that kind of thing. So um, it's, yeah. And I, I've, I've, I went from, I will just say this was, this was several years ago, but I went from having like 26 people on my newsletter list to, you know, uh, 1900 people in, a relatively short period of time because of this. Now, some, some of these things, they, some people drop off, they unsubscribe, they just want the free book, whatever. But honestly, it's been, it's been a, it's been really great experience for me to see um, how to, how to grow a list of people, how, you know, people will resonate with my books and they'll contact me. So I've been able to um, really have, you know, some relationship with, with readers too, um, that have signed up for the list. And again, were maybe surprised because they thought, oh, this is just going to be, you know, straight up horror. And then we're like, I really, you know, really resonate with your books. And I, so yeah, it's, it's been an interesting, interesting road. Yeah. It makes sense to, you know, the idea of with BookBub and, um, and Amazon to some extent to, to, put in other books that are similar uh, as a way to target, <clears throat> especially when you're writing in multi-genres, I assume then you can put in, you know, the, these books that, that go more towards the thriller uh, and these ones that go more towards, you know, the horror. Uh, and then <clears throat> when the people see it, then they can decide for themselves if, if that's good for them. Right. Uh, and, and with Amazon, I know, you know, you could have done the same sort of thing, you know, where you put in the titles and all that, but I guess, you know, now you guys are, are saying that the auto targeting, I guess, works better. Um, so you, then you don't have to put anything in, right. You just say, show it to whoever you think is best and they, they figure it out. But with Facebook, you were saying that, um, you know, you just sort of have one sort of set of ads that works and you just kind of leave them. Or is that like, are you changing the audience for different ads or you have one, you know, audience set that you're using and then you just create new ads for the same sort of information or is it, you know, different? I've played around with different audiences and I, I do have um, slightly different audiences for different ads. So um, I, again, if I have like, I have a series of books that are uh, vampire oriented, modern day vampire oriented books. So for those, 
I market specifically to vampire, um, you know, people that like Vampire Diaries or Anne Rice or, you know, things like that. If um, if I'm marketing my other books that don't have that aspect to them that are more, you know, psychological horror or, you know, gothic suspense, then I will market those to a different audience. Um, those I try to find, you know, things that uh, that are more, you know, like VC Andrews or. Uh, you know, writers that really are not uh, are not vampire oriented because I, I I've come to find out that even that is very different. There there are different audiences even with that where I've had people say I don't do vampires, um, and you know, so that that also is kind of its own genre. I've found and falls into a different category. So yeah, I only do different ones for different. Audience. Have you tried to create a lookalike audience at all to sort of use as your base and then, you know, break it down from within that? Or are you just using the standard, you know, Facebook's everybody and then cut it down by this, 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 and this? You know? I have done lookalike audience before, um, but I don't usually use them. I just have kind of, I don't know, I'm one of those people that I like to. I like to recreate the wheel every time, I guess, just to kind of, you know, see if there's any any new audiences that I can add. Because sometimes I'll try to add a, um, you know, particular uh, group of people onto like, you know, say people that like, um, you know, the Vampire Diaries or whatever. And I won't be able to add them. That's not an option on Facebook. So I like to go in and see if, you know, there's new things every time. Um, and but I have done the lookalike audience and, and honestly, most things have worked for me on, on the Facebook ads different. I just like to try different things to see what's going to work best. And the ads that I currently have up on Facebook have been up there for probably a year or so, but every so often I'll go in and change the images. Um, and I'll just leave them as is, but I'll go with the, you know, sometimes Facebook will even tell you like this image needs to be changed. <laughs> it's gotten old and stale and you need to change it. So um, I'll go in and just switch up the image and, and put something else in there for the same book. So you have some evergreen ads that are just always running for the same books are these uh, ones that are, you know, sort of your, the books you're using to sort of try to funnel people in and get them hooked and, and yes. you know, free. And yeah. So, yeah. So the reason I was wondering about the look like, I was just thinking like if your ad is made up or sorry, your, your list of uh, readers is made up of like this disparate group of people that like all these different genres. I was curious whether or not, it, you know, Facebook was going to come up, be able to come up with a lookalike that really works, or it's just going to basically give you everybody because you have all these different kinds of people in there, right? Well, the lookalike audience I think that I originally did was based on the vampire books. So it was really specific. And I, I only yeah. targeted, uh, you know, vampire fiction readers and and that kind of thing. Um, so I don't think I ever tried a, a lookalike audience with some of the other books that have a little more, um, you know, diverse element to them. Um, especially I have a historical fiction book that is uh, also horror and gothic. And so that one, I, I had such a hard time advertising that one to begin with. I really wasn't sure how to categorize it. But I got a BookBub deal with that one um, where it was like a 99 cent deal for, you know, um, for the ad. And that it kind of exploded that book for some 
reason it just uh, after I started, the magic of bookbub <laughs> the magic of bookbub ads I'm telling you they're or the bookbub deals they're amazing um, and that book just suddenly became one of my most popular reads so and I thought it was such an obscure book and it was just to me such a, a strange combination um, it, it was literally a, it was kind of a self-indulgent book really because I wanted to to write this Regency that was also you know horror that the creepy things that live in the woods that you know become monsters and eat the children and this kind of thing so um, but it's it's been one of my best selling books and um, so uh, it found an audience really by accident. And um, that one, I don't really advertise that much, um, except I do have it on Amazon as an automatic target now, but I just did that recently. Uh, but it seems to be doing well, um, just kind of on its own. I will say it has an awesome cover. <laughs> so the cover, I think, um, I think does a lot for it. But I did have some people in the beginning that bought it for the cover and then said, oh, this this book is really dark. I didn't realize, you know, that this was going to be so dark. Um, but now there's enough reviews up there. I think that people can read the reviews and go, oh, that's going to be too dark for me, you know, if if that's not their thing. Right. Yeah. I think that's like one of the things I was wondering, too, is like you have even in within your own list. Right. So people use their lists to um to to sell their newest book right so your new book comes out you you send it off to your list and hopefully that gives you that great big bump uh but with your list being so different you probably have even though it, it probably makes sense to send every book to everybody just in case you probably have more of a of a you know segregation between readers on the type of book they're going to buy like every time you 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 say, here's my latest book. It's like, this one's a vampire book. So probably only your vampire people are going to read it, even though they're all maybe part of the same list. Right. Yeah. And I, I did have some people when I, when I started the trilogy, because it, it really, with the vampire books, um, they kind of started out, the vampire stuff started slowly and then it ramped up to, you know, by the end, it was pretty much the vampires were the main thing. Um, but I did have some people that say, oh, you know, I didn't, I went into this book and I didn't realize um, what this was going to be. And this may have been a, either a NetGalley reader, or may have been a Hidden Gems reviewer because I, I use your review program too. Um, and, and said, you know, I didn't, I didn't know this was vampires, but I still really loved the story and I got into it and, you know, I'm shocked that I liked it as much as I did and I'm going to read the next book. So I've had some of that too, um, where people didn't really know because I was trying to kind of keep it a secret in the first book thinking, <laughs> you know, that it was, people weren't going to know that they were vampires. And then I realized I was like, ah, I can't do that by the, by the second book, we've just got to throw it out there. So um, it, it definitely, uh, it, it you know, there, there is a segregation of readers, but I have to say that I think a lot of my readers are, are, they will read cross genre anyway. And so they're willing to read books from maybe even all different genres. I mean, I, I know I'm a reader that reads everything. Like I'll read romance, I'll read horror, I'll read thrillers, I'll read mystery, anything. Um, so I think a lot of my readers are just maybe open-minded readers. They're just willing to, to try new things, to, you know, read, read books that they wouldn't normally read. 
Um, so, you know, I, I think I'm always going to probably appeal to a little bit of a niche audience, but at the same time, I'm okay with that because that's what I want to write. So, um, that's, that's been for me, um, a part of the learning experience is realizing, you know, I'm going to not going to make everybody happy, but I know I'm going to make some people happy. So, well, I think one of the beautiful things about self-publishing and the, the, the publishing uh, revolution is the fact you don't need to have a huge audience to still be able to make a living from writing, which is amazing. You need to, uh, Nick Stevenson or something called talks about 10,000 readers. If you have 10,000 readers, then you have, you have a, a, a career for life doing what you love. Yeah. And I, when I went into this, I really was just setting out to, I, I would love to have some readers. That was kind of my thought thought line was that I don't really care if I have, hundred people that read this book, but it would make me happy just to know that, you know, I, I have somebody reading these books because, you know, years ago you didn't have that opportunity. It was, it was like, if you, you didn't get picked up by a big publishing house, then nobody was really going to read your stuff except for grandma and aunt Jean and, you know, your, your mother and maybe some friends, but with, with the way that things have moved in the last few years, it has been amazing to see how many different genres are out there and how many people are making uh, a living and successfully writing books, um, just, you know, self-publishing and not needing a lot of the, the overlords of the big publishing houses to do it. Um, right. Yeah. Because they were, they were always reticent to, to put out a book that was, uh, you know, genre bending, you know, it didn't fit the mold that everyone else was doing at the time. So it was really hard to, to sell those kind of things. And it wasn't that the market wasn't there, but they just didn't want to take that chance. Or maybe it wasn't as big as, you know, some other thing. And if they have a certain amount of books that they can, take in a year they're going to always pick the ones they think are going to hit a home run every time right so all those other authors that you know have a great story to tell that it wouldn't necessarily like be exactly like whatever the latest and greatest book is you know those people didn't really have a lot of chance but now they do and now that's why we're seeing so many like you said so many new genres because people are actually you know able to take that chance and say you know i'm going to give this a shot even though it's not necessarily the most popular thing right now maybe it'll become the most popular thing maybe i'll start a trend right 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 i mean that's the thing you never know when you know that's and i know i have a lot of um writer friends who write in lots of different genres under lots of different pen names too so um that has also been uh, an interesting thing that's come come about in all of this that you know they they write science fiction and romance and you know all, all kinds of different categories and they use like two or three pen names. It's a lot to juggle. I, I don't know if I could do all that, but I'm like hats off to you for doing it. And, you know, they're, they're making money doing it. And I think that's wonderful. So, um, you know, sometimes multi-genre can be just that you write in several different genres too. Um, and that can be a beautiful thing also. I'm, I'm, you know, I think maybe down the line I'll, I'll do, I'll do something similar, but uh, I got, I got my hands full right now with <laughs> the ones I'm working with. Yeah. It, it is a lot of work. I, I, I used to write under a whole bunch of different names and I had like different <laughs> lists for every one of them and they weren't even, 
I wouldn't, they wouldn't even be what you'd call multi-genre at this point. It was just different kinds of romance. And I just figured, you know, these, the people that read, you know, my shifter werewolf romance don't want to read my contemporary romance and they don't want to read, you know, this kind of romance. So it was, you know, I had all these different pen names, but it was to do it over again. I don't think I would go that route, but it, you know, it definitely, it's a different way to go for sure. It's all trial and error. <laughs> I think it's beautiful, though, that there are some really important uh, categories that didn't exist. There's BWWM, which is a black woman with a white male, which is something that never used to exist in the days of traditional publishing because publishers would be like, nobody wants to read that. And it's like, lo and behold, that's a massive genre and tens of thousands of people want to read that. And there are authors writing amazing books, having an entire career out of that. And yeah, it just wouldn't have existed back in the days of traditional publishing. And I think it's that's kind of one of the beautiful things. Yeah, and there's so many genres out there now and so many new genres. And um, I mean, some of them, I don't even, I mean, I don't even know what they all are. I, I just, I'll see, a lot of times I'll see the letters that are up there and I'm like, I have no idea what that is. But I, you know, I have a lot of friends that write in all of these different uh, different genres now. And, uh, and, and, th- and they usually have them, there's a whole bunch of them, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll have like, you know, there's some that write in LGBTQ, uh, some that write in, you know, like you just said, the there's, you know, black woman, white male, vice versa. There, I mean, there's so many different ones now. And but I, I just I think it's awesome that there's so much opportunity for people to write what they want to write. Um, and that for me has been the most important thing because I I, you know, I was one of those people looking at what can I possibly put out that I could get published with years and years ago? And, and then after a while I was like, I tried to do that. And I, I'm like, yeah, I don't like, I don't like writing this stuff. And I, I would just find that I would lose interest in, in doing it. So now I'm, I think I just, I just write when I want to write. And then I have beta readers read it and they tell me either, yes, this is working or no, there are things that are not working and I have critique partners that will that will say kind of catch things along the way and say, eh, I think you're going in the wrong direction here. Um, and that that is kind of that that's like my my bumpers, you know, uh, along the side to kind of help me not go too far off into the, the galaxy. Um, but I I love I love writing what I'm writing. And, you know, I plan to keep like to keep doing it and to keep, you know, bending genres and and defying it uh, as much as possible. You're on mute there, Ron. Oh, I was saying that sounds like a wonderful mission to pursue. And actually, that's the perfect point, I would think, to to wrap up our conversation, which has been wonderful. It's so nice to hear about this. And and I think I find it very inspiring. You know, we have our we like to write the books we like to write, and sometimes they don't fit neatly into boxes. So it's inspiring to see somebody do that and achieve success. So Craig, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap things up? Uh, I agree. I think that it's like, it's really um, one of the most important things I think that's come out of the self-publishing boom is, is the idea that authors can have more freedom to write and be creative and create uh, work that, before would never have been able to be published and i'm sure the trad publishers would be like yeah you know because they weren't good enough you know or they make some comment about you know keeping out 
uh, you know, lower quality work, but that's not what it's all about. Sure, there's their self-publishing also allows people that haven't polished their story enough to publish. That's sure, that's true. However, lots of self-publishers write great books, but they just they would still never have been published because they just didn't fit the mold that the traditional publishers were forcing everyone to to fall into. And I think that's one of the best things that have come uh, about from all of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, really, it's, it's the services like what you guys offer um, that have been, it's just been so helpful um, to people who are self-publishing. It's, I really feel like I couldn't do it, couldn't do it without you guys on some level. Oh, um, we're happy to help for sure. And I, I, I think that you still could have, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and what does it say? Rising tide lifts all ships. I think that's it. We're all, we're all right. Like, neither Craig nor myself or any other people are are sort of competing with exactly the books that you want to write. And it's the same. I don't think we're really in competition with each other. We're in competition Mm -hmm. against traditional publishing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, where can everybody find your books, London? Uh, Well, I have, my website is simply London Clark with an E.com. And also um, my books are on uh, Amazon they're on Kindle Unlimited, and they are on Audible. That is wonderful. Well, we will pop links down below to make sure that everyone can come and check out your books. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, if you appreciated what London had to say, make sure you leave a comment down below and let her know and let us know. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, whether you're listening on uh, your favorite podcast provider or watching on YouTube. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Fully Booked. Thank you so much. (laughs) 